on today's podcast. So it's really interesting that, you know, for a long time, I was like, why can't they come up, why can't the PhDs come up with a test, a blood test, that I can look for cancer on people? And the answer is, they did about 17 years ago. And that test has been available through a company in Greece called RGCC, and now a new company in the United States called Gallery, it's called the Grail, where we're actually looking inside your blood for particles that belong to cancer, like the markers on uh, like what protein markers from the cancer cell membrane, or we actually see the cancer cells themselves, or we can see the DNA that we know is from cancer. So with that ability now, we can look into people very early on. I mean, instead of catching cancer when it finally shows up about halfway through the cancer life cycle, it shows up on an x-ray, we're talking about getting cancer in the first few months that starts to develop when the markers first start to appear. If you're a healthcare provider tired of just treating symptoms and ready to dig deeper into the root causes of health issues, the Vibrant Wellness Podcast is for you. With insider tips, expert interviews, and the latest in biotech research, this podcast will take your patient care to the next level. Hey there, Vibrant Wellness listeners. It is your host, Jen Rivas, here with the amazing Dr. Emmy Brown, back with another episode that promises to be a great listen. Meet Dr. Paul Savage, a man who at 37 was an accomplished ER physician, but found himself on the brink of several health issues, weighing in at over 250 pounds, battling high cholesterol, high blood pressure, prediabetes, and just the normal stresses of life, he knew there had to be a better way. He dove deep into lifestyle changes, nutrition, IV therapy, stem cell therapy. He explored it all. Today, he has a new lease on life with over two decades of experience in blending traditional and integrative medicine. His accolades are many from fellowships in stem cell therapy and metabolic medicine to founding roles in several medical institutions. So let's welcome the founder and CEO of MD Lifespan, the ultimate partner in your health journey, Dr. Paul Savage. Thanks so much for being here, Dr. Paul. Thanks, Jen. Wow. I don't think I've ever had that. I'm going to hire you to do all of my openings for me. <laughs> wow. That's not a lot better than I mean, it is, but that's a lot of great coming from you. And I'm oh, so well, pleased to be on this podcast with you, ladies. It's going to be a lot of fun here because information is the critical highway of, to someone's health. And it's all about getting good information out to the people at the right point. Amen. Absolutely. We're so happy to have you, Dr. Paul. And I'm going to kick it off. We talked a little bit about your history and starting out in a, as an emergency physician. You had your own journey, as Jen just uh, laid out for us. But why the field of longevity? When did you start getting interested? What was kind of the aha moment that this is really where you wanted to head next? So I'm graduating from University of Michigan Medical School. I did my residency in Detroit in emergency medicine. And then I worked in the largest trauma center in the world. That's where we trained at Detroit Receiving, at Detroit Receiving Medical Complex. I worked there for just a very long time. And I was always a nighttime doc. And this is before we knew about swing shift disorder and all those mm. different things. And when I started, I was very healthy. Not that I exercised a lot or ate well. I just wasn't really out of shape. I really wasn't overweight. And then fast forward 10 years of working the night shift, and here I'm now at 267 pounds. I drink alcohol. I smoke cigarettes. I'm seeing my doctor regular, fairly regular because my cholesterol is out of control, thyroid, diabetes, you know, prediabetes, uh, anxiety. I start having panic attacks in the emergency room. I'm like, what's going on here? I was just wow. fried. Uh, and I went to see him at one point, and I, his name's Neil. And I was like, Neil, I don't feel well. And he looks at me and goes, you're completely out of shape. He said, why don't you do yourself a favor? and go get healthy. And I walked out of his office, and that was one of those cornerstone moments of your life. Everybody gets a couple of those. This I can remember still to this day, walking down his sidewalk and get healthy. Okay, what am I going to do? And I had no answer. I mean, literally, how can I be one of the top docs in the ER at the largest trauma center in the world on the night shift? Everybody recorded up to me, and I didn't know where to start. I really, I mean, okay, am I supposed to exercise? Of course, but do I run? Do I lift weights? Do I do yoga? I mean, where, which one's better for me? And oh my God, how about eating? What I mean, okay, vegetables, right? Vegetables. Um, and then that's, that's, I heard about Atkins, so let's do some meat. That's so why I started eating potatoes and steak all the time, plus diet Fanta, because that didn't have any sugar, which had high concentration. I mean, I didn't know any of this stuff. And yeah. 30, uh, six months 
later and I have a personal trainer and I have a nutritionist. So six months later, I'm 13 pounds fatter than I started six months before. I was like, what the hell is going on here? And so anyway, that was the start when I realized I need to start digging into this stuff. And this was before IFM started. This is actually at the beginning when APRM, the American Academy of Anti-Aging, started. And I started hearing about hormones. And oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to check my hormone level. And it was that of a 90-year-old guy. And I'm like, which my friend who was my endocrino- or endocrinologist, I'm like, dude, look at this. I'm 93 on my testosterone level. And he goes, yeah. I said, I need testosterone. He goes, yeah, we don't do that. I was like, what do you mean you don't do that? He goes, uh, you don't have cancer. You don't have an orpectomy. You are, he said, we don't, we don't, it, you can't legally give it to guys just to give it to guys because they have a testosterone plus, mm. plus heart disease and cancer. I'm sitting there thinking all this stuff through and I'm just realizing that doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't. It, it, it really caused heart disease and cancer. Then every 18-year-old boy should have cancer at that point. And I mean, that's the kind of, so, and I started researching and came across uh, Meadows Pharmacy, which is a pharmacy back in the day, and Stephen Russell, and he kind of pointed me towards hormones, and that kind of pointed me towards A4M. And I attended uh, the second year that A4M got together, and there was like 54 of us in this little hotel room at Palos Alto <laughs> in Las Vegas before they went to uh, Palazzo and uh, Treasure Island and then Palazzo. So I've been around this for a long time, but it's been a blast because I get to do something that is exciting. I get to do something that makes complete sense to me because it's not, hey, I'm not against drugs. I like drugs when needed for certain things, but it's not the main tool in my in my toolkit. Mm-hmm. And I was so enamored by, like, I, I they started me on testosterone. And within six months, I dropped 50 pounds of fat. I put on 20 pounds of muscle. The lights came back. My libido came back. I was like, this can't be, this can't be bad for you. It just, it just doesn't make, and it's bad for me through it. I'm going to do it anyway, because my quality of life just skyrocketed. And yeah. okay. And I went to the director of the emergency room and I gave my notice. And he goes, and all the guys were there. I know all the guys and ladies were there. They're like, what are you going to do? I said, I want to open, open up a clinic for hormones for guys. And they're like, wow. why would you do that? And yeah. like, like, I said, look what it's done to me. I said, well, there's all sorts of problems. Anyway, I didn't listen to them, thankfully. I opened up the clinic, and within 60 days, Suzanne Summers walked into my office, wow. and she was like, you do hormones. I said, yeah. She goes, You're, you guys are hard to find. She goes, you need to do women, too. I'm here to convince you to take care of women, too. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why? Because I was just a guy going to do it for guys. She goes, women need it more than that. Let me show you a couple <laughs> things. She introduced me to John Lee and a couple of the other people early in the day, uh, Uzi Reese and um, Dan Schwarzbein. I mean, I got the panel of all those and Pam Smith. And she said some very critical words to me. She goes, Dr. Savage, take care of the women and they'll bring you to their husbands. And honestly, that was the best business advice I'd ever got. <laughs> and I started doing that within four years. My company, Body Logic MD, that I founded had 50 centers throughout the United States. And we were kicking some serious butt on helping people get help. So that's how it all kind of started. And then I have iteration after iteration of the same kind of idea that I've held for almost 30 years now, which is my purpose, my vision is to help give life more moments for people. Mm-hmm. And by that, it means I don't really necessarily want to give you more age, more years, as much as I want to give you the quality of health so you can have those magical moments that, you, that everybody paces their life by. I mean, it's really more about not losing your independence than it is mm-hmm. anything about time and health. And mm-hmm. so when people ask me about longevity, that's a new emerging field of medicine that focuses on better quality of life and longer. I don't say that. It's, it's learning about how to keep people's independent, how to help people keep their independence. Because that's really what we all want. We yeah. don't want to be dependent on yes. society or on your family or on or in a nursing home, for God's sakes. So yeah, it's it's been fun. And all the different things I've gone around the circle from starting with hormones to gut to brain, <laughs> cardiac to stem cells. And it comes back to gut again at the end of the day. And it, <laughs> I remember Pat uh, Hanaway from uh, Genova telling me one day, um, it starts with the gut and it, it, it's gut in the beginning and gut in the end and gut in between. And quite honestly, truth, truth, fact, true fact. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a pretty amazing story. Thank you too, for, for being vulnerable and transparent. I know it takes a lot for, for some, you know, uh, providers to admit that they were struggling and they didn't have the answers. 
So you know, we- I share with my patients, you can come talk to me about anything. I'm an alcoholic in recovery for almost 30 years. Used to be a smoker, obese, anxiety, um, had no yeah. emotional tools. I didn't grow up, I grew up in an alcoholic Irish family and really didn't have the emotional tools. And that's one of the things that I've learned over 30 years is what I call my rules of living. Because one person, my sponsor way back in the day said to me, let me put it in a way, because I was a computer mathematician and undergraduate, but let me put it in a way you can probably understand. You don't have a hardware problem. You have a software problem. You mm-hmm. don't understand the rules of living. And that's where that whole thing with mindfulness comes into play and how impactful it is. I don't think people appreciate how impactful that is. Because if you have a pretty good upbringing, there's still a lot more you can learn to make that even more robust. Well, I know we talked to um, Dr. Paul before we we hit record about just sort of how um, the you know the the um, uniqueness between marketing and and being a provider and just keeping up to speed on all the new things. So, how do you keep yourself updated and inspired in such a rapidly evolving field, especially when it comes to longevity? That's a great question, and my answer is a little bit uh, jaded, but. Now that I've been in the field for 30 years and I've had so, I mean, and I've had my stint through hormones and growth hormone, and then did my stint through the gut and then did my stint through inflammation and, and then through cancer and how cancer develops. And I mean, I've done all these things over 30 years. So it's different for the provider who's coming in nowadays because there's so much in front of you. Mm-hmm. I've had the privilege of seeing it as it came into being and learning about it as it came into being. So I've had it spread out over 30 years, which makes it a lot more easy for me to absorb and I'm a, as mentioned, computer guy. So I have my algorithms and they're all written down and I can show people this is how you do stuff. It, it, it allows for customization for each individual person, but everybody has their different pathways that you need to address. And that's why on our website, MD Lifespan, a lot of it is about the causes of aging because there are known 12 known causes of aging. And if you start looking at them individually, you can start tr- testing for them and treating for them individually. I tell people all the time, Hormones are not going to get you to be an old age if you don't have a good gut, if you don't have good exercise, if you don't have stress mechanisms, if you're not sleeping. They're just consider it as being a 12-wheeled semi. And if I'm only moving one wheel, the semi is not going to go very far. You have to get all 12 wheels engaged, going in the same direction at the same speed, and then suddenly you're really moving down the path well. So it's always a journey for people to come into longevity. And you asked me before, why longevity? Because that's what I was facing when my doctor told me within five years, you're going to die from a heart attack. Okay, I can either die from a heart attack in five years or I can not. And for me, that was. It was the, yeah, that choice was easy for you. Yeah, well, it wasn't. It, it, but it was, it was startling, uh, Dr. Emmy. I mean, it was late for me. And I think a lot of the docs in the world of longevity and functional medicine have some kind of story about their parent or themselves mm. or their child. I've heard so many different ways that it really puts you as a doctor in a position where you realize there's not enough answers in traditional medicine for what you're facing with your child, yourself, or your loved one. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what brings you into this world of, I remember thinking like, there's a bunch of crazies I'm going to learn stuff from out there. And I mean, because that's really at that time, 30 years ago, it was all, I mean, I was like number two on quackery.com. Yeah, I was like, what's that number two? And uh, John Lee was number one and I was number two. Um, So I was out there on the news talking about all this and it was a real, thing that you had to get around. But when you start becoming humble and realize that there's so much more out there that makes sense that you can learn and there's PhDs and naturopaths and nutritionists and physical trainers, and they all have good information. And when you start listening, and AA people sponsored, but when you start listening to things over time, you start hearing the same message over and over again from different people, which is don't do this. This is better. And mindfulness and putting it into your own lifestyle. Right. I'll say one thing if I, is a lot of times clients come to me and they're like, that's so much that I have to do. Well, we don't do it all at once. We start with some basics and what it's going to take any client to get a longevity program and healthy takes you about 30 to 40 minutes a day. That's it. The rest of it is the rest of your day. But if you can commit 45 minutes a day to think about what you're going to eat, do your meditation, get to the gym and do your exercise. And by the way, you can do pretty much all three of those at the same time. 
<laughs> it really sets in the fact that it really doesn't have to be expensive and it doesn't have to consume every minute of your life. That's not a longevity program. Longevity is making a program that works into your lifestyle. I love that you mentioned things that are very accessible to everybody. Yeah. I mean, 90% of what we do in longevity doesn't take a lot of fancy testing, doesn't take a lot of medication drug. There are the advanced therapies out there, which are pretty amazing. But I tell people all the time, before you get there, let's go do the basics first, because you don't get the basics down. The rest of that stuff doesn't really work well. I mean, study right, after study on stem cells show that if you're going to harvest it from the person and they're an unhealthy person, you have unhealthy stem cells, which are not going to do what you want them to do. And in our, so when we have a huge stem cell practice, we have our, our stem cell doctor, Dr. Irizarry, who's been, he's a um, family practice and uh, um, athletic doctor. Uh, that's all he does is stem cells. But the patients work with me first on inflammation, gut, weight, all these other things. Because if I can get you healthy, I get your stem cells healthy. You can return those stem cells to health, but you have to do these therapies in the right order. Mm -hmm. And people want to jump into stem cells right away, but they're overweight, inflammation, got a bad knee. Bad don't, quality. Don't waste your money. Don't waste your money. It's just you're, you're going to be blowing money and it's not going to do you much good. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great advice. I I'd love to jump into, um, Dr. Paul, you mentioned 12 processes of aging. I've come across seven pillars of aging in my research. And so I want to see what you can add to this. Um, but I have macromolecular damage. So such as damage to DNA, lipids and proteins, dysregulated stress response, disruption of proteostasis, mm -hmm. metabolic regulation, epigenetic drift, inflammaging yep. and stem cell exhaustion. Um, what am I missing and how do we measure and monitor these uh, processes? There was a really great article that was produced in Cell in 2020, mm -hmm. which had the researchers came out with the 12 reasons that we age. And they put it in their the scientific terms, as you did as well, uh, epigenetic drift, mitochondrial dysfunction, nutritional decline. So I kind of twisted them a little bit and tried to make them a little bit easier, accessible for the lay person to understand. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, you can tell me when I hit the ones that you said, and we'll get through the other five, but in essence, what we're really talking about here is probably number one on the list is epigenetic drift, which is your genetics. We have to know what your genetics are, but it doesn't seal your doom. If you have bad genes, that's one of the things that people, I need to know my genes. Yeah, maybe right. you do, maybe you don't, but everybody has ability to turn genes on and off. And that's by what you do. So that's why we know it's 80% environmental and only 20% genetic. And that's, that should give people some pause because I have some people with really good genes who are really, really sick because they have no good lifestyles. And then I have people who have really crappy genes, but they're really, really healthy because they really do work at maximizing their lifestyle factors or supplements or medications, all the things they need to do because you are able to tell your genes what to read. And so that's where the sociogenomics and the nutrigenomics come into play. So genetics is one of the top ones. And you can't much talk about genetics if you don't start talking about telomeres, uh, senescence, and cancer, because that comes from our genetics. So another one is the DNA damage and epigenetic problems that occur over time. And that's why we put up cancer as one of those. I tell people all the time, um, cancer, everybody gets cancer. It's the part of the cellular pro process that goes on. But when you're younger and healthier and you have a better immune system, you're able to take out those cancer cells early. The problem is as we get older, that, that immune system declines. So there's another one, immune dysfunction that occurs over time. Um, that, that brings us to the point where cancer becomes more prevalent because we're not able to take it out sooner. And all of that goes around the th big three, which is inflammation, oxidation, and glycation. What that means is what people may not understand, oxidation is burning. We are oxidant. We are a machine. We are a vehicle. We have pulleys and switches and dials. We have water pumps and air pumps, and we have an exhaust pipe, and we have an intake, and we burn fat, just like a car burns oil. We burn oil, and that's combustion, and that's called combustion. When you combust, you burn things, and that's oxidation. So oxidation is a fire that's inside us, and when you have too much fire, you burn other things, which is not good. So that's why you have to balance, balance it out with your antioxidants. And the heat that comes from that fire, well, that's inflammation. So you have the fire itself, then you have the heat, and then you have glycation, which is sugar, which makes everything in the body sticky, 
and causes even more dysfunction. So then we always talk about oxidation and chronic inflammation as well and how those uh, cause heart disease. Then you have the proteinomic decline, which is basically our proteins decline because our hormones decline. Hormones are what are our anabolics. They make all these proteins and things that are in the body along with the epigenetics. And when you start losing those, your body doesn't know what to do anymore because those proteins, like the enzymes, they tell your body what chemical reactions to do and how to do it. But as we get older and those decline, so do those metabolic functions. The microbiome dysbiosis, that's another one of the top 12, because as you get older, your bacteria and your gut change. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Matter of fact, they've shown that if you change your bacteria from one set to another, but it remains as diverse as it was its first time, you're going to do fine. Even if the count is lower, what really matters is the diversity of the bacteria in the gut. So monitoring your gut, knowing how to heal your gut, knowing how to replenish your gut is going to do everything for you in the immune function and neurologic part as well. Um, nutritional failure, as we get older, we everything declines, including all the enzymes and acids that break down food. So we don't break it down. You may be eating really well, but you're not absorbing the nutrients because of microbiome dysfunction, nutrient uh, or enzymatic decline. And you can, you can replace those things so that they all work. And then finally, and I think this is a huge one to talk about, is the toxins, whether it's organic, like infections like Lyme and bacterium and viruses, or whether it's inorganic, like the environmental or the heavy metals or mold or all the food additives. Toxins are going to become the next smoking. Um, it's going to replace smoking and, sedent and sedentary lifestyle as the number one risk for longevity. And that's probably going to happen within the next five years. Because mm -hmm. we, I remember testing for heavy metals, environmental toxicities way back in the 90s and the early 2000s. And it would be very uncommon for me to find someone with heavy metals or environmental toxicities. All the way up to about 2012, 2015. Then suddenly by 2015, nobody's Every It's not now um, who's, who's, who's positive or negative. It's like, how many do you have? And I've seen people with this. And I've seen people with 30 of high level toxicities. And, and I'm just stunned. I'm just stunned. And it keeps every year, it keeps, I mean, you guys are vibrant health and more data, but every year the number of toxicities per patient seems to double. Mm. So that's going to be the new smoking. And that's the one that we're going to be talking about a lot is like, how do you get those things out once they get in? Because you can talk about chelation for heavy metals. You can talk about binders for mold. You can talk but there's all these forever chemicals and these petroleums and these pesticides and these herbicides. Once, once upon a time back in the early 90s or late 90s, when one of the first lectures I went to was this toxicologist, and he was talking about atrazine, which was the number one pesticide used in my egos. And here's the distribution that DuPont did with atrazine. They started down in Louisiana. They went up the Mississippi, they branched up the Ohio Valley, and then they went to the West Coast and the East Coast using this product. And they said, now watch this. And they started, advanced 10 years, let's look at the obesity outbreak. Louisiana, up the Mississippi. Up, I mean, literally laid on top of the atrazine was this obesity epidemic parallel, paralleling it completely. And you could be atrazine or any of the other ones you're introducing, but this, these are how these molecular compounds are messing with us incredibly, and it's only getting worse. Mm. Well, and we're going to talk about hope because I know that a big part of your practice is the therapeutic plasma exchange, also known as TPE. So I'm wondering if you could um, sort of break that down for listeners who may not be familiar with that, Dr. Paul, kind of in layman's terms, what is it? So it's TPE stands for therapeutic plasma exchange. It's essentially taking out the fluid that is in your blood. So your blood is made of fluid, which is called plasma and cells, mostly red blood cells, but also white blood cells and platelets. And then what you do is you take the plasma, throw it away, and you put another replacement fluid with the cells and infuse those back into the body. So essentially what you're doing is an oil change. That's what this is. But the interesting thing is when you take out the plasma, you take out everything with the plasma, good and bad. So you're taking out toxins, you're taking out met metabolite breakdown things. You're also taking out viruses and pathogens and spirochytes, but you're also taking out 
immune system uh, uh, assisters like modulators, like the antibodies and all those other proteins. So you're taking everything out. But the wonderful thing about plasma is your body will make a whole new set of new plasma within 24 hours. Hmm. So it's like you're getting this baby plasma refresh, refreshing the whole the whole body over time. So that's what plasma change is, is basically taking out plasma, giving you a replacement fluid. And every time you do that exchange, you're changing about 70% of the plasma. So the first time you do it, you get 70% out. And then the next time you do it, you get 70 of 30. So you get another 21% out. So now you're up to 91. Third time you're up to 96. Fourth time you're up to 99. Fifth time you're up to almost 100% complete exchange. So that's why a lot of times you'll hear the number five or three put out with plasma exchange. Mm. Interesting thing is we used to do that in the emergency room. So we, back in the day when we used to use digitalis and digoxin and the 16-year-old girls who were upset with going to grandpas or grandmas, medicine cabinet, take the digoxin and swallow it, which is a heart blocker. So they come in with a heart rate of six, but they're 16-year-old girls. So they're doing fine as long as they lay down. But instead of just waiting for it to wear off, we would hook them up to the plasma exchange because digitalis is carried on proteins. Anything carried on proteins are going to come out with the plasma exchange. And within an hour and a half, they're ready to go. Hmm. So I've been, when I heard about this, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then fast forward <laughs> 30 years, and now 30 years in August of 2022, after I had retired, I retired in August, three weeks later, the study came out, which is a study we've been waiting for for a long time. I didn't know anybody was doing it, but it was what plasma exchange could do for longevity. Wow. And that story started in 2005 when a couple of PhDs from Stanford took an old, fat, arthritic gray mouse human equivalent age of 70, and literally tied its circulatory system to a young, healthy, brown mouse, human age equivalent 20. And within a month, the 70-year-old turned 50. And everybody's like, wow, this is, there's something in the young mouse's blood that's making the old mouse young. And for seven years, this study was repeated thousands of times around the world. So many different tests. And seven years later, they could not find that particle that was making the old mouse young. Until finally somebody said brilliantly that that's because you're looking at the wrong mouse. It's not what's in the young mouse that's making the old mouse old or young. It's what's in the old mouse that's making the old mouse old. Mm. And that's where they went, there's a toxin. And here we go with the toxin again, right? Oh, there's a toxin. There's something toxic in the mouse's blood. So, hey, if we're just going to take, if we're just want to take out the toxin, let's do a plasma exchange. And that's what they did on this mouse. And a month later, it was a human equivalent age of 54. So not quite the same with plasma, but there's a lot of problems when you give people plasma, which is why that started out that blood theory where, hey, let's take all these 18-year-old kids, get their blood and get to these 80-year-old men. We let's were talking about that. 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 <laughs> so like, hey, Dr. Tabby, you need to do this. So I was like, I'm an ER doc. I'm telling <laughs> I remember putting up the 10th plasma, pressure and plasma on a trauma patient realizing I'm not sure what's going to kill them, the trauma or bad. Because mm-hmm. 10 years of threshold plasma from so many different people, that has a lot of complications, including death and ITP and all these terrible things. So the longevity study kind of got held up until the PhDs and it got with the other with a freestyle doctor named Dover Kiprop, brilliant guy in a freestyle. He said, we're not going to do plasma, we're going to do albumin. Because that doesn't have any reactions. We don't have any transfusion problems. If you're just trying to dilute out, no reason to give them the plasma back. Plus, if you just give albumin, your complication adverse rate is about 3%. And those are relatively simple things to take care of. But if you gave plasma, you're looking at 50% complications, including death and ITP. So they did the study on these eight people. And what they found out was after five plasma change on these older people, they saw a decrease in their inflammation, oxidation, cancer markers, sciescence, neurodegenerative markers like Alzheimer's went down, and their immune system bounced up incredibly. Hmm. And that's what he published in his paper in August. Pretty amazing. Wow. So I, I'm curious then, uh, I know you have a three-step process for new patients. I noticed you mentioned liquid biopsy. Is that what you're referring to or is that completely different? Yes. No, um, liquid biopsy refers to the ability to test for all sorts of cancers with a blood sample. Because what really needs to be understood is all the preventative screenings that we do for patients, whether it's mammogram, pap smear, skin exam, colonoscopy, or for guys, 
a PSA colonoscopy and skin exam, that only accounts for 30% of the cancers that kill people. Mm. 70% of the cancers that get people, we never test for. And the problem is, unless you're one of those lucky few that happen to be in an x-ray for something totally unrelated, oh, by the way, we found this cancer really early. Most of those cancers don't show up until you become symptomatic. And those type of cancers, by the time they become symptomatic, you're stage four. So that's been the real problem in the battle against cancer because you look at all the therapy we've done in the last 50 years, we have not won, we haven't even gained any in the battle against cancer. So it's really interesting that, you know, for a long time, I was like, why can't they come up, why can't the PhDs come up with a test, a blood test, that I can look for cancer on people? And the answer is, they did about 17 years ago. And that test has been available through a company in Greece called RGCC, and now a new company in the United States called Gallery, it's called the Grail, where we're actually looking inside your blood for particles that belong to cancer, like the markers on, uh, like what protein markers from the cancer cell membrane, or we actually see the cancer cells themselves, or we can see the DNA that we know is from cancer. So with that ability now, we can look into people very early on. I mean, instead of catching cancer when it finally shows up about halfway through the cancer life cycle, it shows up on an x-ray, we're talking about getting cancer in the first few months that it starts to develop when the markers first start to appear. So amazingly, when you, when you start to do things to eliminate a cancer when it's that early, it's relatively simple. I mean, nutritional changes, lifestyle changes, maybe a couple of different medications, because a lot of these cancers are early on are really susceptible to metformin, uh, Celebrex, uh, Quercetin, um, green tea, Capsatin. And I've had about 100 patients now, and I've done probably, probably over, probably over 2000 of these tests on people. Um, but we've had a number of these people just have early markers and every single one of them we've turned back to negative within six months. That's all thing. If you catch it early, a cancer is just terribly, it's a sissy. It's terribly weak. It doesn't have any of the adaptive tools and almost everything kills it if you do it then. And it does matter a lot with cleaning up your diet. Stop smoking immediately. Um, you know, and then there's other things with the nutrients that, you know, the strong antioxidants, the strong anti-inflammatories, are almost always cancer killers. And that's why Cursertin, green tea, Capsatin, they're some of my favorite supplements. But what I tell people is don't take Cursertin every day to prevent cancer. What you want to do is wait till you have the early cancer, then use the Cursertin. Because if you use Cursertin every day, you're going to select out a cancer that's resistant, even in that baby stage, resistant to Cursertin. Oh, and we don't want to do that. So leave Cursertin in your back pocket. There's a couple, there's other anti-inflammatories um, that I like people to be on, and anti antioxidants like glutathione is one of my favorite. But there's a couple supplements you want to kind of not use, just saving for that day you need to. Got it. Makes sense. That's definitely a huge clinical pearl. And I think that touches on the art of detecting cancer early in the management because there's no standard of care, I imagine, with right. the liquid biopsy positive results. And so being really judicious in how you choose that management, um, that's I think it's fascinating. You know, the interesting thing is it's not terribly expensive test for what it's giving you. It's $1,500. And for what it's giving you is if you get a negative, no markers and no cells report, which is the best report you can get, that gives you an 84% probability you don't have cancer. And I mean every cancer except for brain cancers because of the blood-brain barrier. It doesn't check for brain and spinal cancer. So you still have to do the MRIs for that. But all the other cancers that are peripheral, it will show up on this test. So if you do it the first year and you're negative, negative, you're 84%. If you do it the next year and you're negative, negative, it's almost 100% at that point, uh, statistically, that you don't have cancer at that moment. So I, people like, how often should you do this? Every year. When should you start? I don't know. I don't want any 20-year-old to get it. So, And we see a lot of 20-year-old cancers increasing because of the toxicity. Cancer is happening to a big, bigger group of people at a much younger age. And a much group of people that are otherwise relatively healthy, and we're seeing these increases of all these different types of cancers. That's one of the reasons we can't get ahead of cancers because it keeps running further, further ahead of us and getting more people involved. I mean, the diagnosis of cancer than ever before. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
And I have to ask Dr. Paul before I forget, is there a provider directory that uh, you want to guide our listeners to find the liquid biopsy if maybe they can't see you or they want to find someone more local? So that would be the RGCC lab website, but also that would be the gallery, G-A-L-L-E-R-I website. Uh, Both of those are very good tests. Wonderful. And honestly, those are the only two companies that I know that are doing it. Preferentially, I like the RGCC um, over the over the gallery. The reason is, is because the RGC, if you're positive and they have cells, they'll actually give you a DNA, uh, DNA analysis of the cancer. So you know all the genes the cancer is using or not. You can see how advanced the cancer has become. But it also gives you a lot of information on what to use to help mitigate the cancer at that point, including they do a sensitivity testing on all the cells, both for nutrients and for chemotherapy and chemical chemical reactions. So you get all these great data from that company, which you don't get from Gallup. Amazing. So, and it's so individualized in that way. It is looking at individualized. And so about six years ago, my test was positive on the RGCC. It was lung cancer, which is not surprising. Back in the ER, smoking two packs a day because every ER doc did. And all the bad habits I have now, it's interesting. It's 20 years later, that's when it started showing up. But within six months, by taking curcetin, green tea, capsaicin, glutathione, and of all things, hydroxychloroquine, plaquenil, within six months, the markers turned negative. And by the way, I did repeat the test initially to make sure it came back positive, positive. It's a very sensitive test. Um, six months later, it was negative. I retested myself for about two years every six months, negative, and now I'm six years out testing back to every year. Wow. That's crazy. But imagine if I hadn't done that test. Yeah. Imagine yeah. where I'd, I'd be dead today, six years later. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'd love to jump back into TPE um, for a little bit, Dr. Paul. And um, you touched on it a little bit. I imagine you're doing the liquid biopsy on patients who are interested in TPE first. Um, so what are other parameters you're looking for in ideal candidates for TPE and any misconceptions you want to dispel sure. or address for TPE? So I think... I think one of the misconceptions people have about TPE and longevity is it's giving you something that's helping you live longer. Mm. That's not true. It's taking away stuff that helps you live longer. Now, here's the interesting thing in medicine. We always think about taking supplements, taking medicine, doing this, doing that. In this case, it's the opposite. It's what I'm taking out that probably has more benefit than everything else because I'm taking out those toxins. We know that people who have cytomegalovirus, virus, Epstein-Barr virus, they live less time because of these infections that chronically wear down the immune system. Plus toxicities, there's not a good toxin that you can talk about that extends your life. They don't, they all shorten your life just in different ways. Um, What TPE does is give you ability to take out the toxins. Now, as I mentioned, I retired in August of 2022 and I was very happy. I was gonna write some books. I was gonna do some lectures. And then this study came out because in the 30 years I've been doing it, I can take care of exercise pretty well and hormones, nutrition in the gut, not that big of a deal. I can get everybody sleeping to some degree. I can help every, and you get the first three done, manage stress becomes almost a non-brainer because all that other stuff helped them manage stress better. But detoxification, that's always been the problem child. I mean, you can do chelation, you can do binders, you can do infrared saunas till you're dead. And the problem is it doesn't move a lot of those toxins at all. And that's when that study came out in 2022, I realized probably more than most that what they just did was purify the blood from toxins. Even the researchers said, we don't know why these markers change. I knew as soon as I read it, I was like, I know exactly what it did. Um, So that's one of the things that we do with people is when people come to see me, there are some people that are really healthy, right? I mean, think of Brian Johnson, the 47-year-old millionaire who did the TP with his son. And they're like, it didn't have a lot of benefit for him. Of course not. The guy's like almost as clean as clean can be. He's not going to get that much of a benefit from TP, especially by taking on his son's plasma as much as, which is what he did. Instead of taking out the plasma and throwing it away and letting you build build more of your own. So the reason he didn't get better is he didn't use enough. He didn't do it frequently enough, but he was also a very healthy person. What we're looking at with TPE and the longevity part is when they come across those clients that are otherwise doing the best they can, but they have all these toxicities that we can't get rid of. One of my favorite clients who had been my client for 20 years when I got back, I decided 
I have to come back. I have to come back because I don't know very many physicians that built 50 centers. I built the software for the whole industry of integrative medicine called Power to Practice. I then set up a whole, I helped set up a couple of fellowships uh, in metabolic medicine and stem cells. I helped Pam Smith launch the fellowship of anti-aging. I don't know many doctors who had the experience and knowledge in marketing and software and studies to be able to bring this thing, but it TP to market in the longevity space, but it must be brought to market in the longevity space because what it does, I've never seen anything else do. Even on myself, we did my toxicology program and you're welcome to bring up my Vibrant America toxicology both before and after the TPE, but we're looking at 70 to 90% reduction across the board and everything, wow. everything. And I've never seen the petroleums go down. I've never seen atrazine go down. I've never seen all these markers. They all drop. And by the way, just to throw a screwball to it, the final test that I did for retesting my toxins, I super concentrated myself so that, that my creatinine was really high just to prove, just to see how high I could drive those markers. And they were still 80% lower. Wow. It's dramatic. The data doesn't lie, right? <laughs> right. And it's it, data is data. I mean, one of the things we did is we did two sets of vibrant toxicology on everybody before we did the procedure just to compare the valid validity of the study, you know, validity of your guys' test. By the way, you guys have an impeccable test because the vast majority of those markers lined up almost within percents of each other, mm -hmm. uh, single digit percents of each other, which is really hard in the testing world to be able to accomplish. And you guys do that very well. I have mm -hmm. nothing but athletes to give for your guys' total toxic burden profile because, uh, and I tell people all the time, add food additives because they are a serious problem um, that people aren't yeah. looking at. Yeah. That's helpful. Thank you for that. Um, what about, so the elephant in the room, Dr. Paul, any side effects or potential risks associated with TPE? So TPE has, is actually a very low risk procedure. If you think about it, it's kind of like a fancy IV, except the fluids I'm giving you is your own. I mean, I've taken fluid out and at that time I'm separating it. We put it with albumin, human albumin, and we give it back to you. So people are like, well, the human albumin, can I get something from from that, and the answer is no. Human albumin has been around for 50 years. It's what they call scrubbed. So like, nothing can survive except for the protein. There's been never any associated problem with infection and cancer, nothing with albumin, except for some mild allergic reactions that people have to seeing that much concentrated albumin enter their system. Um, so it's really kind of like a fancy idea. You're never gonna have the blood touch another person's blood because the whole system works in a cassette that goes through your tubes, through the whole cassette and machine, back to you. So when we're done, we just lift the cassette out and we throw it away. Or we put a new cassette in and we use it for the day. So it's no possible that you're going to get anybody's hepatitis, HIV. It's not possible. The machine doesn't work that way. But it's really kind of like people, it's kind of like a plasma donation. When you go to the blood bank, they put an ID in you, they draw out your blood, they spin it, separate it, and give you back your cells. The difference is we do it on a bigger volume. So instead of 500 to 600 cc's of plasma, I'm going to do three liters at a time. So I'm going to remove 70 to 75% of your plasma and give you back albumin at that time. The only real side effects we see is sometimes you get some tingling of the hands and fingers and the lips because we have to use a mild anticoagulant called citrate. Citrate's a normal part of our body, but it binds up calcium and that can give you those symptoms, which is easily reversible by having you eat a couple of tums. It's just like, here, eat some Tums. Okay, we're good. The other things that can happen is you can get hypoglycemia because I'm taking out 70% of your plasma. That's where your sugar is. So I'm leaving you with 30% of your sugar. And so all of our clients eat before they come in and not infrequently, we tell them to bring a snack to eat during the procedure because as long as you're re resupplying your own glucose, there's no problem. And finally, sometimes we get a little hypovolemia, a little low blood pressure. That's not common because we're replacing CC to CC. So if I take one ml plasma out, I'm giving you one ml albumin back. So it's not very often, but some people get a little vagal basal. Some people get a little, you know, a little worried and drop their blood pressure. And in that case, we just open up, give them a little saline bolus, and it's fine. So, and then I mentioned the allergic reaction and the time we had allergic reaction, we just gave them a little decadron IV and that went away as well. So it's a very low risk procedure if performed by an experienced staff with an experienced doctor. 
who has the protocols in place. My team together has done thousands of TPs already. So it's, it's, we have this thing down to pretty well science. So the side effects are minimal. Yes. Yeah, the benefits, though, have been remarkable. Now, I've been in this field for 30 years. I remember giving hormones to women for the very first time. And within weeks, watching them transform into this person that they used to be. I mean, I have story after story of people that come in and say, if you don't help her, we're getting a divorce. And she was hormonally stressed and absolutely emotionally unable to manage things because her hormones were gone. And within a month, she's like, oh, you're the best thing in the world. I love my husband again. And, and I've had those kind of stories. That's how dramatic hormones work. Same thing with stem cells when you duck in the joints and suddenly they're moving around like before and two degree peptides and cleaning up the gut. This also has that kind of a dramatic effect, this plasma change. When you're mm -hmm. dealing with people who are toxic from whatever, limes, viruses, petroleum, pesticides, and they're very toxic. And we know these people, right? I'm tired all the time. I have brain fog all the time. Everything hurts. My joints hurt. I wake up in the morning, takes me 20 minutes to get started. And that's because I'm getting out of bed at noon because I'm too tired to get out of bed beforehand. These patients have been transformed by this procedure. I mean, it has been exciting to watch. And you can go to the YouTube channel and they're sending me their testimonials. 30 years, I've never had people sending me videos. Will you put this up online? This oh, is what that was going on. I'm like, and I, I get to watch these people. I get, I get tingles. Because these people are transforming in front of our eyes with just one or two procedures. Because yeah. these people never had a chance because of their toxicologies. You mentioned Dr. Paul, um, obviously being pretty well trained in this. And if I'm a clinician listening, I'm excited about this. I'm intrigued. I want to know more. So what could you tell practitioners that are interested in TPE? What equipment and training do they need that are essential to kind of get started? So there is no training yet. Um, for TPE, um, especially in the longevity space. Uh, there's basically two good companies out there. There's uh, Fresenius Kabi, um, and then there's uh, 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 Terumo. And so you have the Amicus and you have this uh, Spectra Optima, which are the two machines. They're really, you don't, there's no other alternative other than those two. Um, I prefer the Fresenius Kabi because their clinical team is Amazing. They're just, they're always there for you. When we started out and we had questions, we had a clinical nurse with us that has done thousands of these. And she was there every time we were doing one, but we kind of had to kind of make it up as we went along. There's not a lot of clinics around the United States that are doing this for longevity at this point. Mm -hmm. um, so if this is, uh, you're going to learn it from, you got to be the type of entrepreneur, but you also have to be well-versed in this field of longevity and the people that I know are doing it are my colleagues who have been in this field for 20, 25 years. And I would really prefer that the new, the new clinicians in this field who haven't yet realized what inflammation is, oxidation, how to take care of the gut, how to do hormones. I'm going to say probably shouldn't get into TPE because it's an advanced therapy. I mean, it's like, in my opinion, on all the scale of things, it's the epitome of advanced therapies for longevity. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot of uh, skill to get them to that. Walk before running, right? Walk before <laughs> running every day of the week. The other thing is, if you're not an ear doctor and you're not comfortable to take care of hypovolemia, uh, hypoglycemia, allergic reactions in your office, probably shouldn't be doing this. I mean, but the funny and the interesting thing is not funny, but by the time we're doing our first patient, I have my AED, I have my monitor, I have my DFib, I have my whole jump box, I have epi, I have atropine, I have calcium, I have D50, I have Cymedra, I, have I mean, I literally have everything an ER doctor wants, uh, ambu bag, intubation tools. We haven't used it except for the Cymedra, but there is no emergency in medicine. They're just being poorly prepared. And if you're not comfortable to take care of potential problems in, to some degree emergencies, probably not where you want to start with this. Yeah. But I hope down the road, not too far down the road, that we can actually start getting some of us together and kind of come up with a program to help teach people who are ready to venture into this field to do so. The other part is on this is it's an expensive machine and it's expensive parts and the albumin is expensive and the procedure is expensive. I know on the West Coast, there, it's a thousand, it's $10,000 for every procedure. Now, mm -hmm. in Chicago, I've been able to reduce that to 4900 because I need to make this available to these people who really desperately need it. 
And quite honestly, we, we work with our clients. Um, we have a package of five that also includes testing and IV supplements and oral supplements that we know make things better. It's actually a proprietary progress that, uh, procedure that we put together and we're actually in the process of having it patented that works really, really well for people. And we always work with a, you know, I'm able to provide financial assistance to people to get these done as well. I mean, on those packages mm -hmm. of three and five, because my job at this point, I've had a really good career in anti-aging. We've done financially well enough that I don't have to try to make my, my retirement on this pro pro project, but I am absolutely doing everything we can to make it available to people because of what we're seeing on responses of these people that have been sick for so long and I felt frustrated for 20 years. Dr. Emmy, you know what I'm talking about. It, it gets frustrating with those patients who have all those infections and all those toxins I'm getting them so that at least they have some kind of quality of life. And all of a sudden I have something here that it's like 95% of the people that we're doing it on are having these relatively great responses. Yeah. It must be extremely satisfying to see that. I haven't had this feeling since 30 years ago when I gave my guys and women their hormones. And wow, what <laughs> there? I mean, it's like somebody, that's, it's a game changer. This is one of those things that longevity medicine which is why when I saw the study, I knew I needed to come back and do this because I knew I could do it well. I knew I could do it safely. I could do it effectively. I knew how to market it. I knew how to economically make this feasible for people. I didn't know a lot of other doctors who had those kind of skill sets as well. Right. But that's my goal here. It always has been to give life more moments. And I finally can give something to my toxic patients that for the last 25 years, they've struggled as I have with them. Right. Yeah. yeah. And You've given us so much, Dr. Paul. And before we wrap it up, I'd love to know, where do you think the field of longevity is headed? So any bold predictions for us? I'd love to know what, what you think. I think longevity is in trouble because of the toxicities that we have in the world and the, the infections that we have in the world. We're seeing the lifespan for the first time ever start to decline. And I don't think we're to the um, ne nexus of that. I think we're going to continue... Because we're on just the verge of having another pandemic. And it, we got lucky for somehow to not have it for 100 years until COVID hit. But the next pandemic is just one virus away. And plus all the different mutations on like COVID right now, plus all the toxicities that we're seeing. I have to say my concern in the world of longevity and in longevity medicine is that, that overall health is going to become worse and worse over the next few decades. And that's going to make progress difficult at this point. Mm -hmm. What do I see on the realm of possible breakthroughs? Well, of course, the nanotechnology, but mostly the genetic splicing, being able to give people exosomes that have the genetic SNPs to replace things that they're not good at, like detoxification pathways, like MTHFR and COMT, but giving these people the SNP that they can incorporate, that's probably pretty close to the next thing that we're going to see. And finally, like all the work David Sinclair and his group's doing with the medications, they've come out, come out now with their sixth drug cocktail that expand the mice, the mouse's lifespan by human equivalent of 10 years. We're going to see some areas of that that's going to become uh, more medicinal areas as well. But overall, I'm concerned about where health is going to be, especially in America, uh, because the other countries around the world do not treat our environment nearly as bad as we do here in the U.S. Hmm. That's the truth. Sorry for the bad news. But there you go on the fact that I think plasma change is going to become much more beneficial for a lot more people. Right. And it's a call to action, I think, and it can be inspiring yeah. if we see it in the right light. So thank One you. One of the that. most frustrating things for me is we have a place in Brazil. Brazil has an agricultural, as most of the EU, uh, EU does as well, is that you're not allowed to put things in food unless you're these 15 things. There's 15 things you put in food in Brazil and in the EU. Monsanto, uh, DuPont. Uh, Dow, they're not allowed in those countries. I mean, Brazil actually bans them from coming in their country. So we don't have all that toxicology in our food like we do here in the United States. Matter of fact, in the United States, we have the list of things you can't put in food. But if it's not on that list, you can put it in there, which is completely insane, and which is why you hear all the time, like, hey, I went to Italy and I ate bread and I lost weight. Of course you did. <laughs> That's because their food is a much better quality than here. Plus, the other thing is our Treating of our environment in such an industrialized way, we have really just increased the toxicities and it keeps going. The drugs, the pesticides, the herbicides, the, the um, organophosphates, uh, the forever chemicals, it's going up. I mean, again, 
Vibrant America would have more detail than I do, but it looks to me like it's doubling every year. And that is scary. I agree with you. It's an uphill battle, but I'm so glad you're doing the work you are. It's really cutting edge stuff, Dr. Paul. So we're going to wrap it up. And uh, for the listeners, we talked about therapeutic plasma exchange, TPE, liquid biopsy, super exciting stuff. Um, and and to lighten the mood a little bit and to learn more about you personally, because it, it has been fun. Um, and um, I don't need gonna... to be a downer on this whole thing. I mean, no. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, I'm very grateful for my help. I'm very grateful because I tell everybody on sure. everything that we do at the office, I did for me. I did it from a very personal reason. I looked into it for very personal reasons. One of the things with the plasma changes, my atrazine level has always been super high. And I've always struggled with weight loss. And now from the test on them, um, where I was in the red on atrazine, it's like almost zero now. And I've right. never had that. Well, it's empowering. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I hear you. And and it's it's knowledge that our listeners can use. And uh, I think a lot of people, unfortunately, have blinders on or they're focused on one area, like you said, you know, gut health or just hormones, but we really can't ignore uh, the toxic overload in our environment today. So um, all all really important stuff there. Uh, before we say goodbye, Dr. Paul, can we learn more about you a little bit on a, a personal level with our three rapid fire questions? Okay, go ahead. Oh, I love right. you. I love you on your other podcast. So let's see. Like, oh man, which ones are they going to do me? Go ahead. <laughs> They're good ones, I promise. I'll take the first one. If you could dine with anyone alive or deceased, who would it be and why? Um, the Dalai Lama. Cool. Why? Because I, I think one of the greatest things that happened to me in my life is the ability to emotionally grow. And I, from a dysfunctional Irish alcoholic family, and I had none of those tools. So learning all these things about life that are the actually the rules that actually do apply, that kind of enlightenment uh, absolutely made the perspective of my life change and empowered me more than anything I did nutritionally. I mean, they're all important, but that's the part that really gave me the biggest bang for the buck. I love that. All right, Dr. Paul, what is a guilty pleasure of yours? Ooh, chocolate anything. There's the alcoholic this year, but chocolate. So I have to say chocolate cake. Um, and I'm, I, I do have chocolate cake, maybe on my birthday, maybe twice a year. It's not so, but it makes it awesome when they do have it. Otherwise, I'm usually having a frozen protein shake um, that is like J Rob, all natural stuff. So yeah. that's not a bad way to do it either. Maybe with raw cacao in the smoothie. <laughs> get a little get a little of that taste yeah that's right very good all right last one uh one thing about yourself that might surprise people i'm openly gay for 30 years awesome okay. i mean i have been the yard for almost 20 years i think most of the people out there know it but when when you hear about i mean because uh, being gay wasn't always cool actually now it's a lot more acceptable um being an alcoholic in recovery for 25 years, I think that sometimes surprises people. Being being a recovered smoker for 25 years, maybe yeah. surprised people. You're, you're the health and wellness guy. I am now. Yeah. yeah. You've learned so much and you're so open and I admire that so much. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I've had a blast. Thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Paul. We are going to make sure our listeners get a lot of that information that you shared. It'll be in the show notes. So um, don't worry yes, about the that. Research studies. Would be great. Well, yes. any of your listeners can call our client service advisor, and I'm happy to, that they can get in contact with me. I'm happy to talk to any clinician who has questions about a patient of theirs. I'm very happy to work with them on that type of stuff because it, it is about a group effort, just like Dr. Emmy, Dr. Emmy, and I. We just we reach out to other people. We give them uh, any kind of help or knowledge that we can get from our experiences over time, and that's how we work together to make this whole thing work. Yeah. Well, if you're that's listening, what you I guess, the podcast is incredible, noteworthy because this is giving people good information. Um, that's where, where that's where it starts. Yeah, teamwork. Well, that's right. We appreciate you. Thank right. you so much, Dr. Ball. And lastly, make sure the listeners know where to find you. What's your website? Um, do you, if you have any social handles you want to throw out there. So MD Lifespan. So that's MD as in medical doctor lifespan, all one word. Dot com. You can find the links to all of our social networks. I'm really proud of our YouTube channel, which is MD Lifespan, because you can see patient testimonials. You can see all about how to do a TPE procedure. You can see all about the 12 reasons 
uh, the 12 causes of aging and all different ways. I think we have over 100 videos now up on our YouTube channel, including the testimonials from all of our clients from different areas. And that's just a huge resource for people. Awesome. All right. Well, there you have it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. And until our next podcast, stay vibrant, everybody. Thank you so much for being here today. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so we can continue to pay it forward together. And remember, the key to longevity is knowledge. Keep learning, growing, and tuning in to the Vibrant Wellness Podcast to discover the latest insights and strategies for optimal health. Join us again next week. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational and informational purposes and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The views expressed by guests and hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect the official policy of Vibrant Wellness. As always, consult your healthcare provider before applying any recommendations that you heard here today.